The show you're about to listen to is very old and comes with a warning. When we recorded these shows over a decade ago, the world was a different place and we were little more than children. As a result of this, you might hear a few things that by today's standards we judge to be inappropriate or offensive. Please don't be offended. In the years that have passed since recording these shows, we've all grown up to be wonderful, loving, liberal, free-thinking, open-minded individuals. If the us from over a decade ago say something to upset the you of today, please understand that we're as disgusted with ourselves as you are. But isn't this what life is all about? Learning and growing? We all said and did things in our younger days that make us cringe when we think about them. We just recorded it and put it out on the internet. With all that in mind, I hope you enjoy the show. Oh, and there's just one more thing. Don't email the show or try to enter competitions. We don't have that email anymore and all the competitions are over. We do have a Facebook group where you're very welcome to discuss any aspects of the podcast. Please visit simplysyndicated.com for more information. Now establishing data link. Accessing. Hello and welcome to Make It So episode number 34. Hello. 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 My name's Mike Dawson. I'm, I'm I'm Richard Smith. You're Richard Smith. Call me Rich. Call me Rich. Call me Mike. So this week we are going to be discussing the politics of Star Trek. Do we have to say it like that? Uh, no. Okay. Good. Uh, just who and what is represented by who and what within Star Trek in terms of political ide- ideology, and then he said ideologically. It's all going wrong for you, Mike. Just terrible, isn't Ideology. It? Ideology. Uh, so, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about this week. This is a show suggestion from Blake from Australia. Did you have a surname? There was one. but it's I, gone now. I you logged out it, of Gmail. But I remember his first name, and his there name can't be Blake. that many Blakes out there, can there? I bet there's thousands in Australia. Probably. But I bet this you is... go into a kind of place in Australia, yell Blake, and at least 75% of the people there turn around and look at you. Right. Yes, yeah, so I'm making was, that up completely. You are you are making that up completely. It's like saying going into New York City Central and shouting out Zach and a hundred people will turn around. They will. No, they won't. <laughs> they, right, we'll You go could walk tomorrow. around Leeds and shout Mike at the top of your voice, and I guarantee you 50, 60 people will turn around. We'll try that. Yeah. That's a good YouTube video. Yeah. What names can you shout out in public places to get the most number of people turning Mike, around? Mike, Chris, Richard, Dave, Rob. Dave. Rob. Rob. Uh, I don't know, Rob. Bobby, no. Bobby. 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 Bobby in Newcastle. Are there lots of Bobbies There's in Newcastle? Of, I have like four relatives with Called the name Bobby. Bobby, and they wow. all live in Newcastle. I have two Uncle Bobbies and one Granddad Bobby. Wow, that must have been confusing around their house. Yeah. It's the whole naming your son after the father thing. I never really understood that. It's just horrible, and it's probably a problem when, you know, what happens when you're living in the same house and you get mail? Ask our friend Rich. Oh, yeah. There you go. You did that, didn't you? Well, you didn't do it. Your dad did it. Not um, me, him. No? Not a different Rich, not me. No, not you. Your dad, Rich. My dad isn't called Rich. Is he not? No. Right. Oh, no, that's Richard O'Grady. Yeah. Yeah. My that dad's Rich. not called Rich. What's your dad called? Dave. 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 Right. Dave in the brig. Anyway. Not Dave in the brig. Not but... Dave in the brig. Rich in the brig. Right. Yeah. I feel like I've snorted something. I um, feel like you've snorted something. <laughs> okay. Right. So let's start at the top. What are we... Oh, right. The politics of Star Trek yes. again. 
We took... There's a lot to cover here. This is a big thing. This is a big thing. Um, In Star Trek, we live in the Federation. Yes. There's no sort of government of Earth, really. Although I would imagine that there would be the equivalent of a town council. A local council for Earth. Yeah. Uh, within the And that each, each planet would have that, sort of like that. Although I believe her, Earth is all, also sort of the headquarters, the political centre of the Federation. It's where the, the president of the Federation lives. Yeah, they kind of reside there, although they're not always human. Yes. In fact, the two presidents of the Federation that we've ever really been introduced to, if I... Were not human. Were not human. No. Um... Yeah. So that's there. And, and even that big map of the uh, Alpha Quadrant that we saw, Earth was at the centre. Was it? Yes. I didn't think I ever found Earth in the end. It's in the middle. Oh, right, okay. It's at zero, zero. Right. Zero, Sector zero, 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 one. The Terran system. Yes. Right. Now. The Sol system. The obvious analogy would be to make the Federation America. Yes. The United States of America, yes. the United Federation of Planets, a uh, group of individuals with different territories all brought together under the one single remit. Now then, that makes sense in terms of practical layout of the country versus practical layout of the Star Trek government. But ideologically speaking, yeah, they're not. They're not. Because the United Federation of Planets is, as we said before, a more like a communist institution. We said that before. Yes. Right. Because yes. there's no government. We never met any no, there mention. Is, there is a government. There is a government. I suppose, I don't know. But then they're all working together for the benefit of humanity. There is no capitalism. There is no capital gain. The capitalists are represented by the Ferengi. Yes, they are. That's very true. So this is where it kind of gets a bit confusing. There is a democracy, I suppose. Because there's a president. There's a president. He's elected. There has to be an election, yes. Well, not necessarily, but yeah. Okay, let's assume. We never hear anything about federation elections, do we? No. But we're assuming... It would be extremely boring. Yeah, um, but we're assuming, you know, it wouldn't be like Battlestar Galactica or anything like that. You know, they, they managed to make an intergalactic election seem interesting. But, yeah, the Federation elections, you never hear about, you know, oh, I'm just going to go for vote for the who's and they're going to be the next Federation president or anything like that. And you never actually get the feeling that the Federation president really dictates any kind of policy in terms of Starfleet. Or, you know... No, it's a different sort of thing. Although, not it's not policy, like the American but... president. It's not like the commander-in-chief of, of Starfleet. I don't know. What about in Deep Space Nine when they put Earth under martial law, whatever? When mm-hmm. they think the shapeshifters are there. But that's Earth. That's not necessarily... You never get a feeling that... Was, uh, the, was that guy the president of Earth? Or no, he was the president of the Federation. Right. I would assume you'd have to have, like, a cabinet... And a political party. Or would you just be talking about the running of the Federation rather than the running of the military? The military must be run by the CNC of Starfleet. Starfleet. Well, just think of it like the Federation is America and then the Starfleet is the army of that country. It just so happens that it's a big one. Yeah, and isn't run of, by the President yeah, of the Federation. Because the Vulcans don't have Vulcan ships after a while. 
Mm. I mean, they do in like Enterprise, there are Vulcan ships that are faster, but after a while, it's everyone's just Starfleet. Yeah. Which once, yeah, because there's no Federation in uh, Enterprise. No. Of course, I always forget that. It's before the Federation. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. I forgot okay. what I, the point I had to make was completely. Yeah. This is all very confusing, grown up. Well, yeah, it, it's hard to sort of reconcile the ideology with the 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 literal landscape, if you will. It is, and I think it's made all the harder by the fact that I don't think any one particular aspect of all the groups is represented. For example, I think there are certain characters and species that represent people from different countries, and then you have different species who represent characteristics of people rather than their their nationality like you say uh you, you know the the idea that the vulcans are the british mm. and that the ferengi are the capitalists i mean capitalists can be of any well they're directly referred to as yankee merchant sailors if you remember correctly right in the first episode of the they're introduced it was pretty poor writing to be perfectly honest they actually quite openly say these guys are yankee merchant sailors literally in the episode they say that's what the modern equivalent of them is or the the earth time equivalent. what, what are yankee merchant sailors i don't know i didn't I, study like Ferengi, but any great normally is deal. yeah basically you know they'll trade the mother for a deal that kind of thing Depends what you get. Really? At this stage, a MacBook Pro. Yeah. See you, ma. Well, the Vulcans as the British isn't necessarily one that I'd heard before. No, me till you just said it downstairs. Yeah, I just kind of came up with that one because it... it, I don't think we are the Vulcans. Well, it makes sense on a couple of levels. First of all, we have a reputation for being cold um, and generally business-minded which, not necessarily business-minded, but the Vulcans are certainly cold and direct, yes, which would go with our, with our reputation. Plus, the Vulcans are instrumental in the forming of the United Federation of Planets, which is a little bit contradictory, but if you didn't have Britain and some of the countries in Europe, you wouldn't have the United States of America today. You know, that that nation and uh, Canada and Australia, they're all remnants of the old British Empire. So slightly change. you know, obviously it doesn't perfectly fit, but I think it fits better than any other analogy. Okay. Okay? Okay. Okay. And then along with that, you could possibly argue the Romulan Empire kind of yeah, is an extension of that as well. This is it. The, the, there's many different aspects of each real-life group represented... Mm. scattered across it's not clean cut it's in no way clean cut not at all so the romulans could possibly represent a more uh the british empire then that seems more accurate a sort of you know a you know a previous version of uh in history of the british empire you see how how Brought up to speed are we with, say, any conquering the Romulans have done? They have a st- the Romulan Star Empire. Yeah. And we assume that the Empire would have, at some point, swallowed up some other race or species. Well, this is the thing. Like, you always like never... You, you never really get a picture of that, because within the Federation of Planets, obviously, everyone is equal and, and all races can work together on the Federation and everything. But then... As much as later on the the Klingons become the good guys, you still have to think, well, yeah, but they have an entire empire 
all of that space, which is about the size of the Federation, as with the Kardashians, as with the Romulans, mm. and yet, you know, there must be millions of planets in there with entire inhabitants who are just part of the Kardashian Empire and probably slave labour or something. It, it would stand to reason that each of those places would have the same number of planets Random with species yeah. as the federation to some degree well there's mention of it in uh in for the klingon empire there's mention of it in eye of the beholder with um uh geordie the mancunian candidate-esque right. episode where the the federation gets accused of helping rebels on a klingon planet revolt against the leaders you never actually see the rebels but you think that that's probably another alien race that the Empire is conquered at some point and there's a rebellion and the Klingons are trying to squash it and everything. Mm. Um, you also get a sense of that with Star Trek VI when they're on the penal colony, the Royal and There's Pente. all sorts of There's all there. sorts of aliens there. And you think, well, where, how did all they get, how do they get there? You know, they must be like probably races from within the Klingon Empire that have been incarcerated at some point. Um, so yeah, there's, you know, there is that. How did we get onto that? That's really weird. Um, because they're all very big. Yeah, they are all very big. So I think that's how that empire is represented. Now, I think the Klingons are quite clearly the Japanese. The warrior sort of... It's the... Now, this goes to the... Fight the last man, dying, bloody, bloody, blah, blah, yeah. all that sort of thing. I mean, there are some problems with it. I mean, in Japanese culture, it is more honourable to kill yourself than be captured. In Klingon culture... It's more honourable to die in battle than to be captured, but it's dishonourable to kill yourself. No, no, not if you're being captured. It's dishonourable to be taken prisoner. Because that was the deal when Worf was told his dad was still alive by the Euridian on Deep Space Nine, was that there were all those Klingons who had allowed themselves to be captured for that long. Without. Yeah, no, it's dishonourable to be captured, but it's also, there's a big thing in the episode where Worf's brother comes to Deep Space Nine, he can't kill himself. Oh, that's because that's just a normal suicide. That's not because he's being captured. Oh, I'm sure it's... No, Rick, check it out again. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure it was Because there's suicide, a difference between, like, being in prison and killing yourself to just feeling sad and killing yourself. I'm sure in Birthright it's more about the fact that he should have been fighting until he was dead rather than killing himself. I'm sure they do make a big hoo-ha really? about suicide. I don't know. I'm sure in Night Terrors as well, Worf wants to kill himself, but then is conflicted about it. And, and there's definitely a big thing about not killing yourself as Klingons. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so that I mean that goes along with the you know the whole yeah the warrior idea of the the, the old Japan, the old Japan anyway, not the new Japan as we know it today. Well, this was written in a time I suppose the Klingons were created in a time the way World War Two was really not all that long ago. No. Um, when did Star Trek but first I, out? 1967. I don't think the Klingons were as we know them today, though. That's the thing. The Klingons only became this sort of honour above all else and everything, you know, after post-next-gen. I don't think they were as sort of as clearly that sort of ideological value set in the original series. It wasn't as pronounced, but then no. we... I th I think there were there weren't as many things developed with the Klingons in the original series. They were just the bad guys, and all we re yeah. really needed to know was that they were the bad guys. Yeah, 
And it wasn't until Next Gen where you had a Klingon as a main character. That you got to some sort of cultural yeah, value. Yeah, it became necessary to give him a background and, and a reason for him behaving the way he did and all of that sort of You got the sense that the Klingons were proud, I mean, in like Search for Spock and everything, and, you know, in, in the motion picture and the opening sequence, you know, you get the idea that the Klingons are just going to go for it. They're just going to go for it because they're really proud. And that later, that pride then becomes more about a matter of honour, which I think that's, yeah, that sort of comes from Worf onwards, really. It was uh, an interesting twist for it to take, uh, but one I like very much. I, I do like the Klingons. I've never thought of it as a twist. I've never, only until just now, thought, hang on a second, I don't think Klingons were always like that. Mm. Uh, it was an interesting twist. I remember thinking very much that, you know, oh, suddenly the Klingons are the good guys again. Are the good guys now, and then when they changed it back in Deep Space Nine and Series Four, that was interesting as well. They were bad guys suddenly. It was again. it was very strange, and suddenly they weren't as frightening. I mean, they weren't as invincible. Yeah, because they, you know, they were like us. They're just generally taller. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it did feel strange when they were suddenly the enemy again, and everything felt nice when they weren't. Yeah, when yeah. they were friends again. Mm-hmm. Um. So. The British are the Romulans. Very interesting. And the oh. Japanese are the Cardassians. Again, it's that kind of the Romulans being, I don't know, cold and calculating again. It's the same sort of thing with the Vulcans. I mean, it just, it just seems there doesn't seem to be any other kind of representation of that. No, you never see any other Romulan species sort of thing. It's no. very strange. The Dominion... Are uh, fascists, obviously. Oh, yeah, they're the fascists. They're the Nazis. Well, now, they're now. sort of all conquering. I don't know. Yeah, they are because I mean, you just replace the fact that. See, well, I always thought of the Kardashians as more the Nazis. Maybe they were. Maybe they were supposed to be to some degree, and. Well, that went hand in... The Kardashians being the Nazis kind of goes hand in hand with the Bajorans being maybe, the Jews. Maybe the Kardashians are the communists, but are more... Violent. No, because you get a lot of the stuff in the sort of the background of um, of the Kardashians, the fact that they were all kind of like artists and uh, scholars, and but people were starving in the streets, and then the military mm. took over, and there was a hysterical wave of nationalism. It just reeks of... of uh, Nazi Nazi Germany and the way that came to power and the way that came to fruition and everything and there was a big war there was a first in fact yes you had the Federation and the Kardashians had a first war which we never saw much but they suffered massive casualties and it was a horrible war and then obviously the Dominion come along and then there's another big war and that sort of the Dominion yeah. Wars kind of represents World War Two in certain ways there's even see, direct quotes from certain people in World War Two during that. You see, we have the the Cardassian military and the Obsidian Order that are sort that sort of have like the uh, the Army Gestapo relationship with each other. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, and we don't really have anything like that in uh, in the Dominion. It, again, these are the things that are mixed up. Yeah. That there are elements of all different types of things in all the different things. Well, like, I mean, they've got the sinister sort of secret service, and I mean, if you want to talk about sinister secret services, it's always boils down to the KGB. But maybe the Romulans are the Russians. Maybe the Romulans are the Russians because they have the Tashiar. Yeah, and there is a very sort of Cold War esque feeling about the conflict between yeah. the Russians and the Federation. It never really got hot. It was always sort of a game of chess, as they say. You know, 
which moves and who moves where and maneuvering around the neutral zone and posturing and everything and who's going to shoot first, you know, it's always that kind of who's going to provoke the other person into a big war. So maybe the Romulans are a bit more like the Russians. So I think what we're finding here more and more is increasingly that there, there isn't any kind of set guidelines here. I've always maintained, however, that the Borg represents communism. I think that's, yeah, that makes sense. Because, obviously, of working in unity and uh, yeah. the lack of the individual, I mean, from an ideological point of view, that makes sense. Um, however, the Borg, and actually, no, yeah, assimilating races into their their ideology would go hand-in-hand hand with the, the communist sort of conflict through the 60s to the 80s and, you know, taking other nations like Vietnam and everything and changing them into communist and everything and how that sort of ideology ideology is spread across the world and the federations fighting against it okay this makes sense you see how that kind of makes sense i don't know right how much do you reckon this was intended by the writers oh this is that ongoing question of subtext in artistic work and that sort of thing and how much of it is in there and some would say that if it's there if you find it there then it's there yeah whether it was put there intentionally or not death of the author theory again that's Um, that's what it is and i have my own problems with that because i i i like things that are very literal i like to think that what is in there is what the author put in there and while while you might be able to Mm. find other things there i think that is merely coincidence unless the author intended it to be so no well then you're just completely removing the subconscious and yes you're removing the subconscious from the author's own culpability and if you think that necessarily what the author is intending to put down on paper and what his subconscious has managed to put down on paper without him even realizing so therefore you've got to kind of accept the death of the author theory as some kind of truth in the matter J.R.R. Tolkien may have insisted that Lord of the Rings was not a metaphor for World War II however subconsciously he may have actually written it to be a metaphor for World War II without even realising it that just sounds a little silly but I understand how I don't think that's silly at all I think if you think about how many things you do without even realising it if you're writing out an entire book there's so much stuff yeah it's it's part of yourself it's part of your mind that's coming out as you're writing it you're thinking it's an entirely original well it is an entirely original thought but you think you have a complete understanding of everything that you've written I found stuff in my late in my own work later on I've looked back and I thought oh god did I do that because of that oh I must have done and just subconsciously, you've 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 you put something in which you didn't even realise. Did Gene Roddenberry fight in World War Two? Yes. Well, he then. was a pilot in World War Two. I don't think he fought, but he was certainly a military pilot, and he got some um, awards for bravery or something like that. I so technically, if he yeah, he did fight. He wrote about something then. Maybe I find that a very strange concept. I understand what you're saying. It makes sense to me. I don't know. It just sounds a little bizarre. It's also about... Mm, that's the that's the more practical side of it, but from a philosophical side of it, I think Death of the Author Theory works really well because it means that by allowing the author to be the only and singular authority on the matter at hand, it means that you're then limiting what the, the book or the, the work 
can possibly mean. And by limiting the subtext, you're therefore limiting a world of possibilities of what something means to you. How many films do you watch and what it means to you and what the director may have intended it or the author may have intended it doesn't really matter what it means to you is what matters and it doesn't matter if the, the, the author says no 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 that's not what it means because you've interpreted it one way it's like when you listen to song lyrics and you don't really know what the song lyrics are and you make something up and it doesn't matter that what you've made up means something to you it doesn't really matter what they've actually sung okay and by saying no whatever the author says is the absolute final that's what it is i think it's crap i think that's just a really limiting viewpoint to take on art and i think it's not really art- artistic if you try to limit it that much and I'll limit the that. audience's I, interpretation I can, yeah, I can give you that that makes sense okay it's very clever this is a very intelligent show this well hopefully um people may disagree um what else have we got? So the Dominion is the Nazis, the Borg is the, the, the communists, communists. Uh, the Klingons is the Japanese, the Kardashians is the Nazis, uh, the Federation is the Yanks, the Vulcans is the Brits. I think some of these were presented as ideal versions of those things. The Bajorans is the Jews. Now, you said something different. I think the Bajorans kind of represent the is Jewish it? sort of, the the struggled under an occupation, the mass extermination and everything. And You see, we have that, but we have the the, the massive religious following, which does sort of work for both. Judaism is a... No, no, I understand. That works for both the Jews and for... As a, a sort of Middle Eastern thing. Um, although it's fair to say there are a lot of Jews in the Middle East. Yes, that's true. So maybe we're both right. Maybe. Maybe. Um, well, there's never any kind of... That's the thing. I think the Middle East is one area that has always sort of been missing from Star Trek on a grander scale. I mean, we had suicide bombers in an episode of Enterprise... Um, did we? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember so much of that show. I'd like to see them again, actually. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the thing. The season three was a it was a massive nine eleven analogy. Um, yeah, it was very sort of topical at the time. I don't yeah. know when it came out though, off the top of my head. Season three, yeah, that was two thousand and three, two thousand and four season, I believe. Right. Yeah, I think I'm right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quite possibly. Quite, Quite possibly. possibly. Maybe it was the year before, I don't know. But it was around that sort of time. Um, yeah, I think it was 2003, 2004. But it was slightly, yeah, so it was slightly after 9-11, and then it had the that sort of implications. So what were we saying? That the Zindi maybe represents... The Middle Eastern... Sort of, sort of demographic. Conflict. It would make somewhat of sense in certain respects in the fact that you do have a, a sort of a collection of nations and you have different factions within those nations. It, actually, the Zindi was one of the more complicated villains. They looked a bit shit. The guys did look you like know what? the bad guys from Galaxy what, Quest. Once we'd reached that point uh, in the series, I wasn't watching them on television. In fact, I don't remember which ones I actually ended up watching on television. At that point, I was getting them off the internet because they were out sooner. And uh, at that point, internet television files were really not great quality. No. So I sort of watched all of season three and four kind of pixelated. 
yeah. and that sort of thing. I always sort of leave it on for a few minutes when it's on television because it looks kind of strange mm. when it makes sense and it's nice and sharp and that sort of thing. Uh, so I sort of missed out on some of the worst special effects, the insect ones. There were the but ones like giant the... grasshoppers. Yes. And then there were the swimming ones. Yes. And then... And then there was, was, like, few humanoid ones. There was ones that looked like Dr. Zayas. Um, yeah, there were the... The, the monkey lizard ones, ones. The lizard ones. It was a bit of a rubbish idea, but there was... It was... They were complicated in the fact that there were more... There were different factions within the regime. I mean, the only ones that have come close to that in terms of... Uh, complexities within your villains are the Kardashians. They're crazy villains. You know, they keep switching back from you like them, you don't like them, you know. And the Zindi were like that. And I suppose that would make sense with the Middle East. You've got a collection of nations all following a similar, um, or, you know, roughly similar religions yeah. and, you know, uh, Islam and everything else. But, you know, that's pretty much the only thing that connects some of the nations in the Middle East and you've got extremes from say Dubai to uh, Iraq and everything in between and you know there's lots of differences between those countries and their the way that they approach the world as it is today so I suppose that would that would make sense there's India and it would tie in quite well with the 9-11 parallel yes it would gosh it, yeah that makes a lot of sense, actually. Mm. I think it's very... It, it's part of the whole ideology of Star Trek, I suppose, that we have all these people getting along. I suppose that in the way that they're represented, to some degree, they are the best that that thing could be. If if America is the Federation, then it's saying, you know, look what we can be, look what we can do, which is very much the idea of Star Trek. Mm. And I suppose to some degree it even says that about the other things in a much darker sort of way. You mm. know, the Dominion might be the Nazis, but they're the Nazis on acid. They're, like, as good as the Nazis could have been. Yeah. Which is very strange. It takes it takes the same concept that it applies to who we view as the good guys and applies it to the bad guys as well. Yeah. Which I suppose you have to do in order to make them just as frightening if the good guys are so much better. Yeah. Then it, it, it took, just took the fun out of it. Yeah. Which was the problem with the superhero Superman, I always found. Mm. He's invincible. Well, okay then. He'll probably just catch everyone then, won't yeah. he? So we have to invent kryptonite. But he's got, yeah, the one one singular weakness. You'd just avoid it, really, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you just have jumpers made out of kryptonite? Yeah. Or, or something like that. There'd be a line in Superman killing weapons. <laughs> Spears. All sorts guns, of shit. You know. Ray guns. Yeah. Um, I see what you mean. Superman was always a bit odd like that. Kind of whooped everyone. Yeah. Um, Man of Steel. Who else have we got then? What else have we got? I mean, we've got littler ones, but I mean, who isn't represented? I mean, I suppose if you were going to talk about big countries that aren't represented, uh, aren't represented or big continents, where's Africa? Where's South America? Where is Australia? Where's Canada? You know, there's lots of them that aren't in any way represented. You know, the only sort of impoverished people we ever encounter are the Bajorans. That's very true, yes. And because we, never get we live in a sort of ideal 
sort of place. We do have places. I mean, what, where was the the planet Tashiyar grew upon? Ah, was that outside of the Federation? Because we do event, we do that occasionally. That was a bit ambiguous. We do occasionally come across planets that are sort of outside the Federation, but quite like Federation planets, hmm. which is a, a strange sort of concept. Yes, there's the big one where Tashiyar's sister turns up, and yeah, and then there's higher ground with uh, the terrorists and. Uh, you know, the whole Ireland analogy, Northern Ireland analogy. Of course, yes, um, the band one. Yeah, the band one, because uh, we can't distinguish between fact and fiction, especially when there's stuff in things with big letters called Star Trek. Um, it's on Star Trek, it must be true. Of course. Um, it but, is, I want my replicator and my holodeck. Yeah, and my starship and my data. I keep trying to tell this to Alison. You don't just get a data. He is a person. Yes, I know. They not you don't go and get order one, you know, off the internet or something. <laughs> she's like, she's always. If we lived in the twenty fourth century, I'd want a data. What do you mean? He's a person. You'd Silly. have him as a friend. Oh, you'd be. Of course, you'd be his friend if you knew him. If yeah. you met him and he wanted to be your friend, he might not like you. He might not like you. Might find you a bit childish. Yeah. Might find me childish. Probably. Too far be- beneath him. Excuse me, I nearly burped then halfway through my word. Mm. So where are we with this? This is very complicated. Well, I'm trying to think who's left. I suppose you could argue there's a lot of of elements of lots of different people mm. in the different things, of we, as we've said. And so maybe it just depends on your point of view. I'd be interested to, interested to see how people from different countries view this. Well, because yeah. we're looking at it from a, a British perspective and, and our level of importance of things and our interpretation of things. Yeah. Whereas someone from Japan or America or Australia or, or somewhere else might, might see it completely different. Yeah. I think this is definitely a subject that's up to interpretation. And I think there will be a lot of people contesting this. So, hey, get on the forums, see what your views are. What, who represents what in Star Trek? What represents, does anything represent anything? Or is it all just the subconscious of the writer? You know, um, I don't know about that subconscious idea, you know. It's brilliant. It allows people just to say whatever they like. And I think it's a, a, the death of the author theory is a theory that I've always subscribed to because otherwise films aren't fun, <laughs> quite frankly. Why aren't films fun? Because you can't make your own interpretation of it. You can't sit there and say, right, oh, well, this is our I, think that, I think that Bruce Willis did that at this point because he was thinking about this and that in the back of his mind. And then the writer comes along and says, actually, no, you're completely wrong. It's this, this and this. And so you're just like, well, all right. I guess you're right then, because you're the writer. Well, it's not, no. I don't know. I After think it's, it's... Uh, As soon as it has left the writer's mind and has been put down on paper and published... It's open to It's open to anyone. You are fair game. Fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, um, who else? Who else? I don't know. Who else? Oh, the Kazon. Oh, now you want to delve into Voyager, do you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. The Kazon. What were their main characteristics? They were sort of just slightly less developed, but angry and tribal. Sort of tribal. Hmm. Hmm. But they were evil. But why were they evil? Was it because they were just greedy? Well, they were evil because they were the bad guys. I think it was really that simple. We didn't get too much of a look into Kazon 
history and culture and all that. I don't think we got the same amount. I think they were supposed to be the Klingons for that series, but like enemy Klingons. Yeah. And as a result, just like we didn't find much out about the Klingons until they were our friends, we didn't find out all that much about the Kazon. We know they were tribal and all of that sort of thing. We know that for some reason they stretched out for most of the Delta Quadrant. Uh, yeah. As they never got out of the damn program. <laughs> They did later seasons, I think. We left Thank them, God. They left them behind after season yeah. three. And we know they had strange hair. Yeah. Kind of like big, placid, weird, weird hair. hair. Yeah. And pink, salmon-esque skin. Really you see, odd. there's something reminiscent of, of settlers crossing the American West being gotten by Indians. Yeah. That's one way of looking at it, and I'm stretching that. But, yeah, that's I'm, that fits in terms of the scenario, but not necessarily in terms of the ideology. Yes. Um, the ideology doesn't seem to fit anything that we'd know particularly. Um, Maybe that's another problem with Voyager. No. Uh, well, because I mean, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of sort of lesser species that we don't really find about or know about for very long that are sort of... What's your, the, uh, the ones with the, the phage, the disease where they have to steal your face? Oh, I can't remember. I know the ones you mean, the ones who harvest organs and have yeah. the, the organs. Yeah, I mean, gone. who are they? Who, who is anyone in Voyager? We, we needed the bug to come back in, really. <sighs> yeah. Which they did. Which they did, which saved it, really. We yeah. got the Borg in. Um, yeah. Round, when was it, season four or five? Four. Four. Now. It might have been earlier than that, you know. It might have been. Earlier? I think it was the end of three. That seems very early. I think that's when. When had, did Kez leave? I think it was at the end of three, start of four, two-parter. Maybe. Again, I'm just completely too unfamiliar with this program. Um, I'll put the Amazon wish list more yeah. prominently on the forums. It's Scorpions, wasn't it? It was Scorpions Part One and Two. Because oh, I remember naming episodes. Oh, I remember that yeah. one. That was a big one. There was that one. There's a few that stick out. Equinox sticks out. Endgame sticks out. Um, but not not as many as others. Two Vix. That was a good one. Oh yeah. Um, I remember two Vicks. And just occasionally there's ones that stick out. They just don't stick out as much. Um, but, yeah, so it fell down there, although... Well, the whole thing really is a whole... It's a fish-out-of-water concept. And, you know, it's like someone exploring an unknown area of the world, you know, and coming a lot... I suppose the tribal stuff with the Kazon was kind of like, I don't know, uh, meeting Amazonian tribes in Brazil or whatever, you know, as you're exploring the new world in old America sort of terms and finding, you know, different tribes. And I think they've met a couple of Kazon tribes that were nicer than other ones and, you know, other ones that just wanted to destroy them and everything. And, and I think that might be... The clearer analogy, or a more clear analogy, um, and then yeah, and then traveling back and finding any other sort of races that they found would kind of have to fit into that, the spirit of that. So it would be like exploring new countries. So it's almost like they took a, the analogy back in time to the days of 
I mean, I suppose they're all explorers, exploring and everything and finding new races. I mean, the the main ones that this sort of political stuff comes from is Deep Space Nine, really. That's very true. And that's just to do with the fact that we repeated more of them than anyone else. The Klingons, the Cardassians, the Romulans, the Dominion all crop up all of the time. And, you know, and that sort of makes for a very clear political broth and they all have different set ideologies and they conflict on different levels and, and everything, which is why it's, it was more important for Deep Space Nine than any of the other series, I yeah. think. It's, it's, no, I forgot my point. It, it's the better ones, the, the clearer ones seem to be the ones that we've spent the most amount of time with. Yes. And, and so simply, I think, just because you spend more time with them, you find out more about them because it's necessary to develop them further. Which is why the Zindis probably sticks out in... Yeah, you've got a whole series. Whole, you've got a whole season with them. Um, Maybe there are books in which this is all covered in much greater detail. Again, some of the official sort of... I don't know if any official publications, probably the Star Trek theorising publications. That's it. If you don't get Death of the Author Syndrome, Rich, then there's entire books that have been written about stuff which are just completely pointless. Yeah, that's very true. Mm. I can go with that. Um, okay. All right. Are we, have we got anything else to say on this? I think Sunday? there's plenty more to say about it, but I think we need more we'll, people we'll to write in and let us know. Day. Maybe revisit this one and talk yeah. about it more in depth. yeah. Um, yeah, so let us know on our forums um, what you think of this and uh, if there's any contesting of these issues that have been brought up, uh, go for it. I'm sure there will be. I'm sure there will be. You can email us at makeitso at simplysyndicated.com. Yes, uh, you can also listen to uh, some of our other wonderful programs. We have uh, Movies You Should See, you say that one. The Definitive Word. Weekend Watches, and uh, or do you think that's just bollocks? Um, and you can also vote for some Podcast Alley if you like, or write a review for us in iTunes. That would be smashing also. I think that's everything. I think you covered it perfectly well. Well, hopefully. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Sorry. right, uh, I'm coming down off that high that I was on earlier, but clearly I don't know what the hell's going on. I was speaking a lot faster than usual. I don't know why. You're on a flow. It's good. It's uh, been entertaining. Maybe I've just had too much caffeine. There's no mm. such thing. Maybe. Oh, did we have that coffee? Did yeah, I drink it? I had it. We could do with another one. Then. Yeah, I let's, could, let's I could do with another one. Yeah. Let's go. Okay, thank you for listening, everybody. We'll be Bye. back next week. Bye bye. New from Simply Syndicated, the definitive word. With me, Will Tristram. Join me and my various guests as we wax lyrical and attempt to broaden your minds as we stumble through our journey through the 21st century society and culture. Find us at simplysyndicated.com slash the definitive word or on our audio channel, Simply Here, at simplysyndicated.com slash simplyhere. <laughs>